uh, welcome to our first edition of the Fact Checker after the general election. Um, this week we're going to look at a claim uh, made by Governor Kim Reynolds about the state's uh, coronavirus testing. Um, but before we get into things, um, I'm Marissa Payne, the Gazette Cedar Rapids government reporter. I'm Michaela Ram, the Gazette's healthcare reporter. I'm John Steffi, I'm the Gazette's business reporter. And I'm Erin Jordan, I cover investigations for the Gazette. All right, you know, we're seeing a national surge in COVID-19 cases across the whole country. Um, so, you know, Iowa's response is once again kind of in the spotlight here. Um, so Governor Kim Reynolds in a news conference on November 10th said of the state's testing availability, uh, so Iowans, I think we've tested one in three. Our numbers, when we look at every type of test that we're utilizing, we are way at the top compared to other states. So the first claim um, in this kind of two-part claim is correct. According to the state's COVID-19 dashboard, the number of islands tested as of last week when she made the claim was less than 1.07 million, and that number sits now, as of yesterday, at about 1.13 million. And this is keeping in mind that the state does not count individuals who are tested more than once in this figure. And Iowa's population is estimated at 3.15 million, according to U.S. Census data. So this does mean that one of three Iowans have uh, been tested for COVID-19. But the governor's next claim about how Iowa kind of stacks up compared to other states with administering COVID-19 tests is definitely not as simple to prove since there isn't um, you know, a comprehensive national COVID-19 data dashboard and there's there's not uniform reporting standards across the states. So Pat Garrett, Governor Reynolds' communications director, said that in making this claim, she was referring to both PCR tests and antigen tests and other sort of rapid tests that are conducted in Iowa in making this claim. And as I already noted, there's several limitations to, you know, the dashboards that are compiled by, you know, the public and major news organizations in the absence of a, a federal database. So it's difficult to draw these comparisons and how states stack up against one another in regards to their testing. So some of these dashboards show how many total tests and tests per capita states have conducted, um, but not all states include all available types of tests and their reported data. Um, USA Today reported in September that a bit over 20 states and Washington, D.C. do not report antigen tests or count antigen positives as COVID-19 cases. So the Food and Drug Administration says these tests are both used to diagnose COVID-19 cases. Um, the PCR tests are a molecular test that detects the virus's genetic material and the antigen tests detect specific proteins from the virus, and um, the antigen tests typically produce results faster, but the FDA says they're less accurate, and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention guidance defines a confirmed COVID-19 case as one that was diagnosed with a molecular test, while cases diagnosed with antigen tests are presumptive positives, and you know typically a physician or public health official might follow up with a molecular test to confirm that. So there, there's all those complexities with testing, and states also may not distinguish the overall tests administered from the number of individuals who have been tested. Publicly available data shows 
pretty grim picture of testing in Iowa compared to, you know, what the governor has claimed. The Washington Post, which uses data from the COVID-19 tracking project, reports that Iowa ranks among the bottom 10 in tests administered per capita. And the COVID-19 tracking project is that's compiled by volunteers and many public health officials who, you know, look at states and how they're reporting their data, which, you know, as I've already noted, there are significant discrepancies to make that ranking. And based on this data used by most major news outlets, the fact checker has previously found in checking a statement made by former Democratic senatorial candidate Teresa Greenfield that Iowa was in fact below the testing target for each state as as laid out by the Harvard Global Health Institute. And Paul Trombino, who is the governor's chief operations officer, told KCRG last month that the number of tests conducted weekly in Iowa is twice as high as what's logged on the state's website, but Iowa only reports the number of individuals tested and does not make public the data um, that it keeps on total tests administered. Um, But... The White House Coronavirus Task Force report issued November 8th, which was the week that Reynolds made this claim, showed um, that Iowa, um, there's 3,035 tests administered per 100,000 residents in Iowa, um, which significantly exceeds the national average of 2,243 tests per 100,000 residents, and um, that does not include antigen tests. which again, as I noted earlier, um, you know, there's some issues with the accuracy of that, but those are typically used in congregate settings like work workplaces or some athletics teams use those long-term care facilities. Um, but this report from the White House does not include a ranking of tests administered across the 50, 50 states. Um, it does color code this metric. For Iowa, it's dark green, meaning it is equal to or greater than 2,000 tests and is among the top in the nation. Um, So, you know, the White House also doesn't make all these reports public, um, but I found on the Center for Public Integrity, um, they kind of keep a data set of as many reports as they can from the states because these reports from the White House are sent to governors. Um, So... The most recent available report of all 50 states that I found was from September 20th, and even then, um, which obviously was significantly uh, behind this this major surge that we're seeing now, um, Iowa was still marked as dark green for that metric, and its tests administered per capita fell below only nine other states. Um, so I, I've concluded that the governor's claims about um, Iowa's COVID-19 testing statistics are pretty much on the mark, um, especially the, the first part of this two-part claim, um, since of the 3.15 million Iowans, one of three have been tested for the virus. And um, on the kind of second harder-to-prove part of this claim, um, the White House data does show that Iowa is among the top of the 50 states for its number of tests administered per 100,000 residents, although, you know, even that metric has its limitations since that doesn't include antigen testing. Um, And, you know, it's worth taking note that it's unclear exactly where Iowa stands, and there are all these discrepancies in the publicly available data with some states including their antigen tests, some not in their totals. 
So we give the governor an A for now, but I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. I'm glad that you, uh, Marissa, provided as much detail as you did about the antigen antigen tests because um, I didn't know probably as much as I needed to to evaluate this check and the audience or readers may not know either. Um, I guess what I wonder about, and I don't know if we know the answer to this because groups, different groups may have different opinions, um, is whether including antigen tests or not including antigen tests, antigen tests is more accurate in terms of the overall number and whether all states do antigen testing or, or count those tests up and whether there's even a way to do like a ranking if all the states aren't tracking that. Yeah, um, I know, I think there's less than 10 states that include antigen tests in their totals. I'd have to go back, um, you know, to some of the different sources I found to confirm that, but very few actually include the antigen tests in their totals. Some report the antigen tests separately from um, the PCR tests and, um, you know, those molecular tests. Um, Yeah, it is very difficult because there isn't a clear kind of national ranking or even, you know, an attempt to make a ranking accounting for all these discrepancies. Um, So the closest thing I can gather is that, um, you know, from the White House Coronavirus Task Force report, um, the Iowa, at least, um, with the molecular tests, performs well. Yeah, it's interesting to me that, um, like, the databases maintained by, like, the Washington Post say that, like, Iowa ranks at the bottom 10, like, kind of despite what the White Force Task Force, White House Task Force report has to say. Um, I'm curious if that's just if like the Washington Post uses different criteria, um, I'm wondering, I, I believe there are certain types of COVID tests that, you know, like you said, just um, present a presumptive positive. It's it's not a confirmed positive. I wonder if that's like a big discrepancy um, that, you know, they're not really counted as a positive and therefore like it doesn't count as a, as a test within Washington, the criteria WAPO is using. I'm curious if you you know the difference on that. Yeah, I'm not sure. I might have to reach out to the people who work on, you know, compiling that database for the post to see, um, you know, what they're kind of accounting for in making their database, um, since it's not super clear. Um, I mean, they disclosed that they use the COVID-19 tracking projects data, but um, on the COVID-19 tracking project website, there's, you know, that I don't think they rank that themselves. They just kind of put up the numbers from the states and, um, you know, news organizations are kind of free to use that. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can further look into that. Yeah, I just didn't know if there was um, sort of a difference in in how they counted these tests, because I know there are certain types of COVID tests that are like you can still test positive for them, even though you don't have an active infection um, because of the antibodies that that exist after an infection. so I'm curious if they're maybe like taking that into account because then, you know, cause testing matters and that we're looking for active infection. So I wonder if they're trying to account for that sort of thing. I don't know that that clarification on that would be helpful. Yeah, certainly. Well, because basically if we're saying that, you know, because we're giving her the A 
based on, um, you know, some data, like the White House Coronavirus Task Force report um, saying that Iowa's rate significantly exceeds the national average, and and based on some data sets that uh, that say that Iowa's Iowa's doing well. But then we've got this other database that's the Washington Post data using the COVID-19 tracking project that reports Iowa among the bottom 10. So I don't know if we can get at whether which one of those data sets is doing things better, you know, because yeah. it's it's hard to say. I mean, because if we if, if it's true that the way the Washington Post is doing it is the more accurate way to do it, well, then this claim, you know, perhaps doesn't deserve an A. Um, but it's it's really tough without knowing exactly how the Washington Post uses that data. And then do we have someone independent that could say, this is the better way? I don't know that we'll be able to do that. Yeah, I'd echo those thoughts on kind of the ambiguity between these two because they really are kind of coming up with opposite results here. I mean, the COVID tracking project basically saying I was one of the worst. And then the White House task force saying that they're one of the best. Um, I think it's interesting that, um, I mean, it isn't as clear about which tests are exactly included. So I kind of echo the I mean. Aaron and Michaela's thoughts on if we could kind of nail down what exactly is being counted in each of those, I think that would really help. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, and I think to to all of your points and, and kind of what you were getting at, Marissa, is like, it seems that it, a, across the nation, we're really fractured and how we're like measuring the, the coronavirus pandemic, you know, different states are using different criteria for its testing and, and how they measure testing and, you know, Iowa doesn't necessarily count every single test. They just count individuals, but other states are counting every single test. And it's, it, it makes it hard to make these broad comparisons like that. Um, you know, I'm also curious about the time period. Um, you know, I think Governor Reynolds made this claim referencing one in three Iowans have been tested throughout this whole pandemic, right? Um, I don't know if a, a positive test in May really matters now when we're looking at the current surge in cases. And trying to get an accurate measure right now, I think at this point, um, you would think more testing now than throughout the whole pandemic would matter more at this point. Yeah, that's a really good point, Michaela. And even if that doesn't change our grade, maybe that's something to point out in the written portion of the of the check here, just that time period matters and, and what we're dealing with now is, you know, we need a lot of testing right now, you know, as opposed to a cumulative number. Right. And if we had one in three Iowans getting tested now in November, it might paint a totally different picture of, of what we're current ex currently experiencing now. Yeah, I agree. Because if somebody was tested in April, that doesn't really affect the situation right now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, granted, you could argue that maybe they could be reinfected. I mean, we haven't really had a solid answer on that just yet. But um, but yeah, like to, to what John was saying, I think that that changes the story. 
But ultimately, okay, I'm looking, I'm thinking about just the fact checker overall, and we're looking for credible um, news sources, authoritative um, data collectors. And, you know, um, the White House Coronavirus Task Force seems like it fits that criteria. Um, I, I don't know why it's different from the Washington Post data, and I'd, I'd like it if we could explore that more. Mm-hmm. But it's not like she's um, talking about numbers from like some, you know, think tank, some random, you know, group elsewhere. It's the White House Coronavirus Task Force. And, you know, there's always politics there. There's the potential for that. But, I mean, I feel like, you know, we could say if we can clarify a little bit more about the <clears throat> the differences between their analysis and the Washington Post, I think that it would be unfair to give her a lower grade if it's in line with what the White House Coronavirus Task Force report says, unless we find out that the Washington Post's method is better. Well, I think one interesting point about the Washington Post using the COVID tracking project is that's also been something that a lot of other outlets have used. I mean, the Wall Street Journal uses that. New York Times uses that. ProPublica uses that. So I think that's another, I mean, CBS News also on that list. So I think it's an important thing to also note that this isn't just the Washington Post that's coming up with, I mean, these numbers. These are a lot of places that are kind of all relying on this data. Yeah, I mean, the important thing about like the, I mean, using, giving more weight to the White House data, I guess, is just the fact that we know that there's a lot of data that isn't public publicly shared that they're using to ultimately draw these conclusions and, you know, kind of make these comparisons about um, testing to even, you know, I mean, how do they come to the number um, 2000 or greater means you, you get a dark green. Like, is that an average of, you know, I don't, is that like a certain kind of barometer that states have to meet based on everyone's overall testing numbers? that they're looking at. Um, but, you know, I mean, as I noted, there's just so much data that isn't shared with the public that I'm sure the White House is using to look at this. And, um, I mean, the governor's office has already kind of come under scrutiny just within Iowa for um, how how testing data and other COVID-19 data is shared since it's not all public-facing. I don't know, something I wanted to, I guess, just mention, I don't know how relevant it would be. With, with Test Iowa specifically, people are really struggling to get appointments through there. And, you know, I know the governor has responded to that. Like, you know, while there's, um, you know, other clinics or testing options that are available to people, you know, is that something that we might see shift going up here? Or is, is this... Is testing infrastructure kind of tightening similarly in other states as well? Like, you know, do we kind of downgrade Iowa because we know of the struggles that the state's experiencing right now with testing availability? Or does that just introduce too much subjectivity, you know, not knowing kind of what other states are also going through? I think it's a hard comparison to make between states in terms of just the accessibility from it, just because sometimes that I mean, if there is an exact metric of, okay, I mean, in Iowa, it's 
mean, 15% of people have issues finding a test versus in, say, Kansas, it's 20% or something like that. I think that would be easier, but I think it's a hard thing to subjectively or to objectively, I mean, with data, be able to show, hey, I was worse off because, I mean, we know that people are having issues finding appointments for a couple days type of thing. Yeah, and that's basically what I was going to say, too. Um, and plus, it, it doesn't necessarily take into account, like, all the other places you can get a, a COVID test. You know, I'm thinking, like, Hy-Vee here in Iowa. You can you can go to a lot of locations in Hy-Vee and, and get, like, a quick, um, I believe it's, like, a rapid COVID test. Um, but you could also, like, go to your doctor's office or you can go to a hospital and get a test. Um, so it's probably hard to quantify, like, here in Iowa, how much access do you have to a COVID test, like both private or public versus other states? Um, I would think that would be kind of hard. I mean, you could maybe make a note of it, but I, I don't think it would weigh too much into this. One thing I was wondering about, I think, I don't, I think we just say PCR test. We list it there, just the, the letters of it. Um, I know it's a really long uh, word and maybe not that helpful, but is there is there any value of describing what the PCR test is or having any further definition of those tests beyond the antigen test? Yeah, I would think so. I would think it'd be worth clarifying, um, even if it does get a little technical, just sort of like what the difference is and why we why they have different names. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and I know I didn't have that in my initial draft. Um, but I went and added some of that after, um, using the FDA and CDC guidelines that I mentioned, like, you know, when I kicked off the discussion. That sounds good. Yeah. You did talk through it when we, when you were explaining the check today. So that was helpful. So, okay. Where we are right now is say, barring getting any additional information, what grade are we comfortable with? Are, are folks comfortable with that A grade? I think there's a little bit of an asterisk just because, I mean, you can look at, I mean, one form of the metric and see Iowa is one of the best, but then also, I mean, another metric shows that's one of the worst. So um, I would be open to maybe moving that down to a B just because there is that little bit of an asterisk, even though, I mean, overall the claim seems correct. Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing. I've been sort of waffling. Um, and I'm ki- I think I'm kind of leaning more towards a B. Um, but I am also trying to weigh like, you know, kind of to your point earlier, Aaron, I mean, it is the White House that that is showing that Iowa is one of the top among the 50 states for testing. Um, so I guess I'm kind of waffling about you know, what weight to give what. Um, but I think I would be comfortable giving it a B if we wanted to give more weight to, to that other side that is saying I was not among the best. At least giving it some weight. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. I, I think that makes sense to me, a B. Marissa, how do you feel about that, just barring getting any additional information? Yeah, I would agree. Perfect. Okay. Hey, before um, before we go, I just um, wanted wondered if we, maybe we should take a moment to uh, sing happy birthday to Michaela. 
<laughs> I think that would be a fun end to the fact checker podcast. Oh man. <laughs> Then everyone would hear our voices, though. Maybe we, maybe it's enough to just wish her happy birthday. Yeah, that might be a good compromise there. <laughs> I will make you guys sing for me. Thank you for the birthday wishes. That is, that is more than enough. <laughs> well, this is perfect then. Tomorrow we can wish another member of our Fact Checkers team another happy birthday. Ooh. I shouldn't have left myself open for that. <laughs> birthday week birthday week (laughs) any other birthdays are we just at two out of four members of the team mine's in june okay so we've got some time there marissa when's yours october 10th oh we missed it it. Ah. well happy super belated birthday i guess since we didn't wish you birthday happy birthday on the pod (laughs) thanks no it was nice it was on a saturday this weekend you know kind of a shame it's not really safe to go anywhere since it was on a weekend um but it was nice weekend birthdays always the best primo (laughs) (laughs) well i don't know that we have another check in the hopper for next week but we are always trying to keep our ears and eyes open for them so listeners out there if you find any or hear of anything that you'd like us to check please don't hesitate to reach out to us at factchecker at the gazette.com awesome well as as half of our fact checking team prepares to celebrate some birthdays um the rest of us will be signing off until next time our pieces are edited by craig jamolas our podcast is produced by stephen colbert and our music is Lobby Time by Kevin McLeod. I'm Marissa Payne. I'm Michaela Ram. I'm John Steppy. And I'm Erin Jordan. Until next time, fact check you later. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.